by kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about heartbreak, rejection, pain, misery, and loss. Did I listen to pop music because I was miserable? Or was I miserable because I listened to pop music? Well, music is my life, man. What do you want me to do? Welcome to episode number uh, 64, I think it's going to be, of Love That Album. And if you're wondering why I'm so hesitant on my arithmetic there is because I'm recording this episode out of order. There are going to be at least another two episodes before this one comes to air. But the opportunity presented itself on the other end of a Skype connection. It's a man who I've been wanting to have back on the show since uh, I think early 2013 when he joined myself and uh, John Ross of Feed My Ears fame to discuss what was then Richard Thompson's latest album called Electric. But this time, I have uh, back on the show Mr. Davey McLemore to discuss uh, an album by uh, a new Texan troubadour, Robert Ellis. But we'll talk more about that shortly. Good evening, Dave. Good evening, sir. How are you doing? I'm well. Actually, I should be saying good morning. It's um, some ungodly yeah. hour in the morning at your, your end of the world, isn't it? That's, you know, got to get up anyway, so. <laughs> in, indeed. Well, I, I don't think you've gone to bed. You've been posting uh, little Facebook <laughs> things. We've been talking all day. Good well, Lord. I'm nervous. I'm, getting, I'm on the big show, man. I had to oh, stay up all night and get my notes uh, together. So. The, 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 big, the big show, this isn't the GGTMC. What are you talking about? You know, this is just a humble little love that album. But uh, no, well, welcome. Very, it's really, really wonderful to have you. You've been talking I'm, about this for the longest time. Yeah. I'm, I'm honored to be here, and yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited about it too. Yeah, I, like like I said, when 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 uh, you know, I know we've been talking personally about this record, and and uh, um, but it was it was something that whenever I heard it, I was you're you know you were one of the first people I thought I was like, man, you know, check this out because it's it's uh um, it's you know it's a Texas guy and everything, but it it's pretty uh pretty universal stuff, I think. So. Indeed. So actually, I should say the name of the album. So we, I mentioned the uh, the uh, guy is uh, Robert Ellis. And his album is called The Lights from the Chemical Plant. It's his third album. And I am ever so grateful that you've brought this album into my life. So, you know, um, I can't say I exactly introduced you to Paul Kelly. I didn't do that. But, you know, but but I have sort of gone and said, check this one out. Check this one. And you've gone and given me Robert Ellis. So, you know, it's, it's a fair swap. <laughs> Indeed. So um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, well, rather a lot about Robert Ellis uh, fairly shortly in the program. But I thought what we'd do, you know, just a little bit of a start off. I don't think we spoke about this last time uh, that you're on the show. You work in a record store in Houston called Cactus Music. And I think apart from um, Pat Monahan, who works here in uh, Melbourne in Basement Discs, I don't think that I know of anyone else on the group who works in a record store. And really, that is a job that I think everyone wants. It's a job I know I certainly want. You know, you're always putting up these great posts of uh, listening to this, listening to that with a shot of the beer in front of the album. So just give us a little bit of a a story about Cactus Music. It seems to be like a a real little haven that you have going there. Well, it's a a pretty incredible thing. And it's a a Houston institution. Um, It's, uh, well, you know, I'd, I'd preface that by saying everybody, you know, wants to work in a record store. 
it doesn't pay anything. So, <laughs> but but uh, so that that's one thing. That's why people don't work in record stores. So, um, but uh, but anyway. Uh, uh, but no, it's it's a uh, cactus is a is a Houston institution. It's you know it's been around for well now like forty plus years and and uh, in different incarnations and and uh, I went to work there when I was twenty years old and spent most of my 20s there and and um and then you know kind of you know time to move on went and did other things and and uh but uh, I'm, I'm finishing my college degree right now so i, I kind of came back to uh, uh just kind of pick up some stuff and and uh and just get my hand back in it a little bit but uh it's 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 really it's it's an it's a neat place and and uh, i would encourage anybody that, that comes to houston to come by we'll treat you right um, but we, uh, you know, we've always kind of focused on um, singer songwriter music and especially, I mean, you know, kind of Texas music and regional music. But we have a, you know, pretty a real broad uh, base of stuff in, in uh, a broad base, a broad selection mm-hmm. of music. And the New York incarnation is, is, uh, is really, really neat and, and fun to, uh, to, to work with because it's a totally new thing for me in that the vinyl is, vinyl sales are almost overtaking CD sales. So, that's a f- real fun thing to 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 watch because it's it's a lot of uh, it is seeing younger you know younger folks that that you know obviously have no experience they didn't grow up with vinyl mm-hmm. and but they're I, I you know and this is just my opinion but I, I think it's like it's the whole thing about um they're they're experiencing the same way that folks that did grow up with vinyl is and uh, that that it's it's the whole, it's the ritual of it and that it's that big piece of art and that it's like, you know, you have, you're, there's a physical connection to it as opposed to just having headphones in your ears and a gadget in your pocket or something. And, uh, and it's, I mean, like I said, it, it's, it's, um, that's becoming the more majority of our sales and, and, and uh, it's real cool, but, uh, but no, man, we, you know, we have in stores and, and, uh, you know, we have a local brewery that, 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 uh, that sponsors those. And so there's, you know, free beer and stuff. So um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it, it's pretty cool. And uh, so, um, so tell but, us uh, about some of the some of the recent in stores that you've been having. I'm trying to think. Of recently, we had uh, the a couple of days ago we had that Ume band play. Uh, it's UME. Um, they're kind of. I mean, uh, and, and actually, it was my introduction to them. Um, but uh, it's. The, I mean, the record is is a real. Uh, sonic youth sounding thing that was i mean I, I i thought it was great and uh but they did a uh, an acoustic thing just uh the female singer and and the guitar player well i mean they're both guitar players but but uh and uh it was i mean it was about as is is uh kind of heavy duty as as the album was but that and um you know we saw uh, uh we had radney foster um the kind of uh, he's a well kind of one of the early kind of alt country, uh, you know, pop singer songwriter guys from, mm-hmm. he was in Foster, Foster and Lloyd and everything. Uh, he, he played about two weeks ago and, uh, that was, that was real special. I mean, his new record's real good. And, and he did some classics and was just a real nice guy. And that, that was, it was fun to meet him and stuff like that. So, uh, but no, we did that, you know, but I mean, you know, I was thinking about a couple of the kind of classic ones that I've seen and, I would say, yeah. I mean, number one, seeing Jeff Buckley, you know, he, he played there for grace. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, man, it, it was, it was amazing. That's actually out. There's a bootleg of that out somewhere, but, but, uh, um, but, uh, that you can, you can hear friends of mine talking, uh, right before the, uh, right before the music starts, you can, you can hear them talking, but, uh, um, it's pretty funny, but, uh, that one and, uh, when, and, and for the new store, what was, was it? May, 2008, I believe, uh, when Steve Earl put out that, uh, um, his, Towns Van Zandt coverage record that, you know, the Towns album, he did like an hour and a half show. Oh um, my goodness. 
yeah, in, in the store and, and, uh, man, it, it was, it was really something else. I mean, in, uh, you know, it, it, big deal, you know, it's Houston and it's Hans Van Zandt, who is, you know, I mean, well, is, is my favorite songwriter and, and, uh, and, you know, but in, in that Steve has that history with him and, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was him. He played like an acoustic show for an hour and a half. <laughs> and, and, uh, so and do, you, do you tend to do your shows like at lunchtime or after work? When, when well, it, do they it, do? Uh, typically, um, it depends on, on, we, we do them, uh, typically it kind of, you know, um, kind of happy hour time at 5 30 or six or whatever. And, uh, but, uh, you know, and, and on the weekends during the days and, you know, but it depends if an artist comes through and they say, Hey, look, we need to do it at three o'clock and we do it at three o'clock. Um, but typically, you know, whenever people can get off work and come by and see us, but uh, but we've got you know we've got a stage in the store and a PA and and everything and and you know we've got uh, half the guys that work there are musicians so they can uh, rig it all up for them so so uh, but uh, but no it's it's a real it's a real special thing so um, it, I mean it, it like I said it's a special place and it, it's it's uh, been a huge part of my life for the last you know I mean for well, I mean for over twenty years and uh, you know again like I'd say it, it's. Um, uh, if you're in Houston, Texas, come by. We'll treat you right. All right. Well, at this stage, I think what we're going to do is maybe take a bit of a quick break, and then we come back and talk about Robert Ellis's The Lights from the Chemical Plant. Now, normally at this stage, I'd be saying, listen in later on for Eric Reanimator's segment, and I still advise you to do so. You know, keep listening. I mean, you've downloaded the damn podcast. You might as well listen to the whole thing. But really, because I'm recording August's episode here in June, I have no idea what he has planned. So um, you'll find out soon enough. So at this stage, the only thing I can guarantee you is that we're going to be talking about Robert Ellis's The Lights from the Chemical Plant, released in February of this year. So what we'll do is we'll go to a quick podcast advertisement break. We'll be back shortly. Dave in Houston, Morris in Melbourne. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Kat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. From The Big Sleep to Big Mama's House. Well, maybe not Big Mama's House. And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. (laughs) (laughs) But don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. It's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libson.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. Thought something big was coming up. This is Terry Frost, and I want to tell you about my new podcast, The Martian Driving. In the podcast, me and a guest will look at obscure but interesting speculative fiction movies the ones that don't get enough love, the obscure movies that you catch late at night you can't remember the name of but you really like them. You can go to marsdriving.blogspot.com or subscribe to the Paleo Cinema feed in iTunes. The Martian Driving Podcast. Watching the skies since 2012.
hear screaming so loud Making sure everyone knows what I've done One of these days After everyone's gone You'll see that it was better Just for once For you to be wrong You're just a kid Inside a grown-up body And you don't Welcome back from break. Morris speaking here in Melbourne and Dave speaking in Houston. I've, I've got to ask you, actually, have you ever been on the street named in your honor? In oh, Memphis, yeah. In Memphis? <laughs> oh, no, no, not, not in Memphis. I mean, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a Houston street in Houston, oddly enough. But, um, but, but there's, uh, there's be, you know, you've got to have gone to stacks and you know, crossed over Mecklemore Avenue, surely. Uh, I have not been there, and, and although uh, that, that was a hilarious thing when, when uh, one of my... my favorite music mentors that was uh wanting to uh, uh well he was he was when i was a young guy at uh, at the at the record store and everything uh um, but uh, he uh <laughs> he just gave me his copy of of, uh, of that macklemore avenue book and the mg's album and, <laughs> and he was he just gave it to me he said man you need to have this and everything but that's always it's it's a uh, you know kind of a uh a nonsensical point of pride for me that that uh, that exists on that street you know I, with I, that I name think, i think you need to frame that album and put it up on your wall yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Well, you know, it's got the whole Abbey Road thing on it, so it's 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 uh, that with the guys walking across the street with the sign there and everything. So it's uh, it's pretty neat. So, it anyway, so anyway, you're listening to episode number sixty-four of Love That Album, and I think we've gone and achieved something that's never been done before. Because while we're recording episode sixty-four of Love That Album, uh, episode sixty-two of Love That Album is being recorded simultaneously. What do I mean by that? Well. My very, very good friends and co-hosts, Eric Reanimator and Tim Merrill, are busy recording Love That Album 62 in my absence. I actually asked them to uh, take over, uh, uh, it'll be, yeah, well, we're in June, aren't we? Uh, record uh, June's episode. So while they're talking over on the other side of the world, um, we're doing episode 64. So it's a bit of a strange time travel sort of thing. You know, it's 62, 64, and 63 hasn't even happened yet. So... It's all very weird, all very strange, and I'm babbling. So let's talk about the album under consideration, Texan Troubadour. Why do I keep saying that? I don't think I'd say that about any other songwriter, just about a Texan. Um, I don't know why that is. Uh, Robert Ellis. Now, he's only 24, 25 or something like that. Yeah. And his... Uh, it's, which is album. astonishing. It's, uh, that's, that's, that's something that I keep coming right. back to and thinking, really? <laughs> you listen to a lot of the lyrics there, and he, he sounds like a man way beyond his years, the wisdom way beyond his years. So, yeah, this album, The Lights from the Chemical Plant. Now, the man was a complete unknown to me, and since you introduced him to me, I've gone to discover that he's been here in Melbourne twice in the last 12 months. Um, once as a support for uh, Justin Townsell, and I believe once in his own right. And in the interview that I read, it said that he loved it here so much, so I'm rather confident that we should see him back sometime soon, hopefully in 2014, and I'll definitely be out there to see him. So, awesome. at the time when you introduced, you sent me a Facebook message or you posted something in Love That Album, which was a link to these, uh, his cover version of Paul Simon's Still Crazy After All These Years. I met my old lover on the street last night. She seemed so glad to see me. I just smiled. 
And we talked about some old times And we drank ourselves some beers Still crazy after all these years Well, still crazy after all to say about Paul Simon later on in the show, but you also told me that he'd done an in-store performance and you recommended you know, these tunes off the album. So tell me, what was your first recollection of uh, Robert Ellis? What was the first thing that you heard of him? Well, um, I had heard, I, I'd seen him uh, at uh, an in-store in Cactus before I kind of uh, came back to work there when I'd, I'd first moved back to Houston. And I really liked it. It was for his record, his second album, Photographs. And um, it, it, which is that album is a lot more uh, honky tonk and like kind of straight folk type stuff. It's very good, and but it's it's uh, you know this this record is a you know one of those those kind of leaps um, to me. Um, so so uh, but and and I liked him. And unfortunately, I was living outside of uh, of Houston, but he, he was doing this thing called uh, Whiskey Wednesdays at uh, a local bar. I was going to ask like, you, yeah. I read in an interview, he said he'd done this thing called Whiskey Wednesday, and I want, what does that mean? What, what is that? Well, it was, uh, apparently, it's it's the, the thing that I'll, I'll regret most, well, it's not the thing I'll regret most in my life, but it's one of them, but uh, that, that I, I completely missed, because uh, um, a buddy of mine, like when I did move back to Houston, he was kind of like, dude, you got to come out and see this guy and everything, and and, uh, and I just never made it out to one of those shows um, for various reasons, but, but uh, he, uh, it was basically like a honky tonk cover set and, and 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 also with his own songs and stuff like that but it was apparently a little raucous and uh and and uh, you know and, and with a you know just had a killer band and and uh and it was i mean they just you know it was it was it was kind of a, a prove it all night type thing um so um and like i said i i'll you know i <laughs> all i can say is i wasn't there but but uh, uh but uh, um so i'd seen him a couple of times but uh we uh I, you know, I, I, and whenever I came back to Cactus uh, earlier in this year, when I moved back to, to or whenever I got back to Houston, I uh, it was one of those things. It was one of the first first albums that I'd heard, uh, new albums that I'd heard that I I just had no. I mean, it, it was like out of the blue. I was like, man, what is this thing? Like whenever we were listening to it, and uh, um, it just I just responded to it on pretty much all levels. But uh, were you? And, and then you know about in the first of April or, or some in the, it, yeah around the first of April, first week of April, he uh, he did a in store at Cactus, and uh, which was a cool thing. It was almost like a private concert, and and uh, he um, because it, you got a wristband because it was going to be a capacity. Uh, thing so if you bought the album you got a wristband and uh and, and we basically closed down the store at, at, at six o'clock and uh and you know it was like i said you know, free beer and and uh um it was just kind of a party but uh but just they just and they played for an hour and a half or so it was an incredible show wow. um were, i mean were you asking about the richard thompson thing was that well, no, I was going to talk about Richard Thompson eventually, but um, oh, okay. no, no. Actually, I was, so originally, I was still like asking what your first recollections were and what Whiskey Wednesday oh. was, and you've gone and answered both of those. I, I will actually make a Richard Thompson connection shortly. Now we have two songwriters. I mean, like we got Richard Thompson, who's a veteran, and yeah. ostensibly, you know, Robert Ellis, who's really still just starting out, effectively. 
Um, oh, yeah. and, and he'll continue to refine and develop his song craft. What I like about both of them, well, I, mean, I guess another thing that could have connected them is the fact that they both like telling stories. Um, Indeed. So, so um, but actually, once again, one more thing I also wanted to speak to you about before we sort of go into the whole storytelling thing and the things that we love about this album is uh, what I want to ask you is like he is, is a songwriter who um, he'd, uh, he was originally from Houston and he actually talks about it or sings about this on the album and he moved to Nashville. Now, those of us who live outside the States or maybe <laughs> even just outside of Texas to begin with, the, the outside perception is that Nashville is you know, your traditional country music town. So in 2014, what in your mind are the differences between Houston and Nashville, and for that matter, Austin, because you know they're all, I, I guess, got musical identities. What can you tell me about as the difference between the three towns? Well, uh, you know, I mean, certainly, I, I would say I, I don't know what his motivations were for for, for moving to Nashville, um, but uh, outside of you know, I mean, we can talk about if, if he's being straight up about a certain song on the album, we can, you know, uh, but but I think that uh, you know that that's just that may provide more opportunities as a songwriter. You know, is is a uh, you know not necessarily as an art as a performing artist, but as a songwriter in Nashville, it might be you know. Uh, I, I honestly don't know how that whole process works. And, and uh, I mean, you know, I wasn't I wasn't asking so much because what would have been the advantage for him to move to Nashville, but yeah. just more in a broad sense, what do you think is, is is there a major difference between the Nashville scene and the Houston scene i mean is one sort of like leaning towards traditional country one leaning more towards alt country or is one more of a blues scene or or is it just like you know country's just one facet of an otherwise uh, oh. flourishing music scene in general oh well you know uh, buddy honestly i'm, I'm going to probably have to have to uh, you know plead the fifth on that one too because i <laughs> I, 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 uh, I i i didn't honestly, mean to put you on the you know, spot I, no 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 not at all um i, I would just say that that um there uh, there may be more um uh, you know, kind of business opportunities in, uh, uh, in, 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 you know, if you, if you were kind of local in, in Nashville, as opposed to, uh, I mean, you know, no, yeah, well, I wouldn't say that the, the Houston music scene is, is burgeoning. You know, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of really incredible stuff going on in Houston. It's a vibrant city and, and, uh, it's interesting, but as far as like that kind of, you know, I mean, the, again, I mean, like we're talking about with this record, if, 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 Ellis is looking to make that that kind of next step, as opposed to just like you know, t- okay, we're, we're going to tour between you know, uh, you know, North Carolina and and Tennessee and Texas and and kind of go in a big loop there or something, or or just do these kind of tours or something like that. If you're kind of wanting to break into more of a, you know, I don't know, man, I I, I don't honestly don't know enough about the uh, how touring works and the, the music business and stuff to to really honestly make a make a, a comment about why he would do that. But it, it's uh, I think it's just a uh, you know looking at different opportunities sure. and being seen by different people and stuff like that, you know, and, and it, it's, I'm, I'm sure it was, it was a, a business decision or being, um, around, I mean, you know, of course in, in Nashville, you've got that, 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 uh, you know, that kind of hotbed of, of, of songwriters. Yep. And, you know, if you get, you know, guys that are there, I mean, that steel sharpening seal thing where, 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 uh, you know, people are trading ideas off of each other and everything, uh, that, that's, uh, that may have been the reason that, that, that he made that move, but. Sure. All right. So as to the album itself, so as you've already gone and said, this was his deliberate plan to move away from uh, his straight ahead 
country roots of uh, the photographs album, which I'm you know confessedly yet to hear. But the first thing that struck me was that this was not, I guess, like a. a I mean, it, it's certainly got uh, country music as its underlying base, but there's something else that's going on here. But of course, there, you know, there are some country-sounding tunes on the album, very traditional ones, but even they take a change in direction. One thing that is still very much a country trait, though not exclusively, and we already alluded to it before, is uh, Robert Ellis's ability to tell a story. And, you know, country music is famous for telling a story. There's, you know, we've got relationships being put to the test, uh, songs of infidelity, fear of whether the home fires are still burning, and what I find interesting is that, you know, these tales are all sort of woven from the point of view perspective uh, yeah. rather than a third person as you might hear in you know, some other story based songs. I'll just straight up say there's a Springsteen thing there. You know? I yeah, mean, that, yeah. that's kind of what, what a majority of this reminds me of, but, but uh, anyway, well, go ahead. Well, I guess what I like here is he's, he doesn't always give you the whole story. He's saying, well, yeah. I'll just, I'll oh. give you some of this and you can fill in the gaps. He's not dumbing it's, it's, it down. Yeah. It's really intelligent songwriting. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, there are snapshots. And, and, and it's, it's uh, I mean, and I, I love the fact that they're, I mean, pretty much wholly unsentimental. And well, I mean, well, there there are sentimental songs in there, but they they, uh, but no, yeah, I mean, I, I I really agree that I mean that that's the that's the thing that draws me into it is mm. is that it, it's that 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 those really kind of personal snapshots of somebody that yeah, I mean, talking directly to the camera as it were. Yeah, 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 very much. He's breaking that he's breaking that uh, fourth wall for sure. So the other obvious country uh, element here is Alice's voice. It doesn't matter what he would do. It's that he has that twang. He has that country, uh, or I guess what we, I don't know, how am I putting this probably very poorly, but uh, I guess, you know, to people who might not necessarily yeah. be all that au fait with, you know, hundreds of country artists, but they hear that voice and they'd say, right, that sounds like a country singer. But to me, it's it's, it's still a very warm and very emotive voice, uh, yep. which works well for that sort of storytelling material. And even when he's at his most poppy or rock sounding on this album or, or ballad sounding, there's the pedal steel which weaves its way in. Yep. And But what I like about the use of the pedal steel here is that it's often very subtle. It's not really overtaking the song. The, the arrangements on this album are extremely well thought out. In um, That's... I'm not. I'm not familiar with that producer. That uh, is it. I, I, well, I'm. Not, I'm gonna fumble this guy's first name. But is it Jaquara King? That's, but, that's what uh, it says. Yeah, I can't quite pronounce it. But it, um, it looks. But like and, and yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I hate to say that. I, 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 I'm. I'm not familiar with his other work and everything like that. But I, I think it's. It's a pretty. You know. I mean, that 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 guy has. You know. I mean, almost as much to do with the. Or maybe. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Um, has a lot to do with the record. So because sure. it sure does sound cool. And but, um, some of these music. I mean, I don't know any of these musicians. I'm just sort of presuming that uh, they're, they're local guys who uh, he, he's uh, recruited to his band over over the years. In particular, I have to really sort of give kudos out to, uh, uh, I think he's the lead guitar player, a guy called Kelly yeah. Doyle. There is some incredible playing, as well as uh, Will Van Horn on the pedal steel. They're just amazingly great players. But I suspect yeah. that um, on, a, on a song which we'll talk about later on, Sing Along, that that's um, uh, Robert Ellis himself on the exactly. yeah, on, and, on and the Ellis guitar. Can hear it out. And, and we, we were talking off, uh, off air before about uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan 
and his love of rhythm guitar and the rhythm work on that song is absolutely amazing. But we'll come to that song. I've got a few notes I want to say well, when, when we get to the time. Let me, let me ask you a question, you know, regarding his voice. Uh, do you have a thought about who he sounds like? I mean, and I'll just say my thing is that, that I, I would say that he, um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously the George Jones thing is the obvious, but that I think he's got more of a, I mean, ultimately, it's, it, it ends up being more of a Willie Nelson thing because it, it's 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 more he's got that you know well and and I'm not you know I'm no music analyst or anything but but uh, <laughs> but 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 uh, but that that kind of more jazz influenced vocals so that's kind of it's it's like I said it's George Jones but it's Willie Nelson. So, uh, look, I, <laughs> I, I, look, I got to confess that my knowledge of uh, the traditional country greats is fairly limited and I've not really heard enough George Jones, although I'm familiar with some of his material, but uh, I, I so. couldn't really sort of know who to who to compare him to in that regard. But one thing yeah. I will say, like uh, a singer like George Jones or a singer like Willie Nelson is that, and maybe it's maybe it's a country thing, I don't know, is that his diction, this is not the sort of thing we normally talk yeah. about on Love That Album, but you can understand everything that he's singing, you know, you, you don't need the lyric sheet, and you, you never once say, what is he saying there? But it's, it's all very clearly enunciated. He wants you to understand, he wants you to tell, he wants to tell you that story, it's, I don't know. It's forceful, has... yeah, yeah, no, that's totally it. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that, yeah, that's a thing I love too, so yeah, there's, exactly. There's no mumbling. Now, you mentioned about a jazz influence on his voice and I wasn't sort of going to make that connection to his voice as such but some of the songs here and I know one song that in particular that you love Houston which will come to yeah. shortly I'm saying a lot of that which will come to shortly the jazz influence in, in uh, the, the rhythmic time changes uh, the, the drumming on that has a very great jazz connotation we often sort of think wow is, is there a link between jazz and country and the answer is very definably oh. yes Definitely yes, and the the obvious Dude. one, the one that comes out obviously in mind is Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. I mean, yeah, that's, ex- that's what I was just about to say. Yeah, it's like it's Texas jazz. Dude. Yeah, yeah. You've got uh, great session players like uh, Greg Lease, who uh, plays on on uh, the Bill Frisell records. And yeah, Bill Frisell is a man who's certainly uh, no stranger to both, obviously you know jazz, but also to country music. He's got a healthy regard. And he's gone and made some great country albums, but always putting his jazz sensibility on it. And Greg Lease is a part of that sound on his albums. But another album, and you mentioned Willie before. There was an album uh, put out between um, uh, Willie Nelson and Winston Marsalis came out about two, three years ago, and I can't remember the name, but it's absolutely awesome, and you would never have thought that the two of those guys would share the same stage, but there you go, they made an absolutely cracker of an album a couple of years ago. And Willie walks on water, as far as I'm concerned, so so he can, he, I had not heard that album, but but uh, no, he, he uh, yeah, no, that, that's, it's. I'm sure, you know, it works. That I remember that, there was an, oh, I, 
he did a reggae record for Island. Um, uh, that was you know 15 years ago or something like that, that, that I remember, I mean, a reggae influenced album that, that was just incredible. And it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, man, this guy can do anything. So, oh, he can. Look, it, one of my, um, one of my favorite albums, although it's not necessarily like his, one of his more country influenced albums, but I love Teatro, uh, which oh, yeah. was, which was a da- the Daniel Lenoir produced album. Yeah. His yeah. version of, uh, the maker. I think the maker is one of the great songs of the last 20 years or so. I would agree. Um, oh, I would agree with that. I think. <laughs> so let's let's get around to talking about some of the songs on this album. And okay, all right, so let's let's set this up. One of the songs that you said that one of your work colleagues over there at Cactus yep. had given you grief over, and neither of us could believe what this guy was talking about, is the album's yep. opener. Uh, the song called TV Song. I am not a failure. I played the hand that I was dealt. But every now and then I do pretend that I am someone else. It takes no imagination, just a flick of the remote. Then I am on vacation in a life someone else wrote. Maybe I'm a millionaire. I travel over the world I'm handsome and respected I get all those pretty girls So calm and mysterious Fighting for the greater good People love and adore me From New York to Hollywood Well, this may not be the healthiest I know when I exist through my favorite TV shows I'm a gunfighter, I'm a bull rider I'm the captain of some pirate ship at sea For a couple hours I got superpowers Oh my God, I love watching my TV couldn't believe that your work colleague actually sort of thought that this was a throwaway. Now, I'm glad to know that you and I completely disagree <laughs> with this guy and want to give him a smack over the back of the head. Yeah. Um, what, what we what we have here, I mean, obviously, you've got the, the dreamy carousel feel of the music, you know, the way how this song opens up with the, uh, with the pedal steel, it sounds like someone's riding on a carousel, but... Uh, the, the opening line, it just draws me in. Um, yep, I love it. I am not a failure. I play the hand that I've been dealt. And boom, you're really taken into the story. And you know that I love the notion in a in a song of what we call the unreliable narrator. Because, yes, sir. And, and this guy, you know, when he sings, uh, uh, someone who's truly confident of themselves never says, I am not a failure. He, this is yeah. a guy who doesn't believe in himself. We, we think he does protest too much. But I, I just, um, I love how he takes us through this song. He and, and often when we hear people talk about someone who watches a lot of TV, you think, man, you've got to find something else to do with your time. But this guy, he makes it sound very, very attractive. But the, the veneer gets stripped away as we go through the song. You know, he, the, in the chorus, he's singing about all these people that, all these adventures. The, uh, he, he's a, a pirate on a ship yeah. at sea. He's a detective who's hooking up with all these pretty women. And I'm just drawn into this song. He tells right from the start. He's telling you this 
incredible story. And then the second verse, he's singing about how times are hard with his wife, but they yeah. they spend three nights of the week together watching television. Yeah, and, and but the, then he, he says he, he immediately says after that that they're watching. Uh, oh, what's the line here? Uh, that they're 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 you know we'll watch the one about the family with a great big house. Right. So yeah, they're yeah, watching. Yeah. So they're they're they got this just you know insane you know this destructive relationship, but they're watching you know they're they're vicariously living through through the the the, the television you know the television shows or whatever, and you know and of course there's a. A real ringer line a little bit later on, on about a modern TV show. But uh, the, old Betty Draper. I wish my wife was less like you. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's that is that, that is a line for the ages, as far as I'm concerned. But I mean, anyway. And I, I, I tell you, if there's if there's anyone at a Robert Ellis gig who doesn't feel their heart sink or can't shed a tear at that last verse, we just samples oh. back. Uh, God bless you, Walt Disney. You were a father to me. I used to fall asleep with the TV on at night. Through my roughest days, you put a smile on my face. You kept me company when no one else had time. Man, that well, just that tears me apart. You know, they, they, I, you get the rest of the song gets put into context based on that last verse. You know, when that's exactly. I mean, you know, I know we've talked about it, but that, that, that's exactly what I thought about it and, and why I kind of expressed that, that. That it's like, I mean, I can't. I, I don't get it. You know, when if, if somebody says it like, oh, that seems like a novelty song or something. It's because it's it, it's a whole thing. It's like it's a a. Uh, I mean, you get to see that character arc. I mean, I think it's a great song and. Uh, that last thing, and especially how he chooses to sing it. Well, and that's another thing about this album. It's, 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 it's totally confessional. Um, right. So, um, so, and, but, but that last little bit where he kind of completely changes his singing, and he, he's almost singing like a child. You know, and and uh, and and when he does the, the the kind of Walt Disney lines and everything, but no, yeah, man, I'm I'm a I'm a fan. I think it's a it's a it's a solid song, so mm. and and a great way to kick off that record, so for sure. Now, in in one of the interviews that I'd read, he said that um, his favorite songwriters, or at least the songwriters who he turned to for influence for this record. One was not at all surprising, and the other one maybe was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, and the two influences who I heard him mention were Paul Simon and Randy Newman. Now, the Randy Newman connection I found a bit of a surprise. I mean, maybe, okay, you know, Randy Newman's also a great storyteller, but Randy Newman is also very sharp, very biting, very sarcastic, and also yeah. very, very funny. And I, I see Robert Ellis more as a, a straight shooter. And these songs, by and large, are very, very serious. The, if he has a sense of humour, he's not utilising it in, in these songs. Or if he is, it's very, very subtle, and I've missed it. But he's wanting to well, be like a very serious storyteller. I don't know. Do you, do you feel the same? Uh, no. Uh, well, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, I, I think that I, I can. I mean, I, I can totally see the the, the Randy Newman influence in in the sense that it's it's just so it's just like you know kind of practical storytelling, and it, it, it's it's uh, um, a real just bare bones and not not you know I mean, we're not gonna you know I, just thinking about stuff like I mean you're like listening to um, Sail Away or Good Old Boys or something sure. um, where it's just like it, it's a um, I mean, those songs are just, they, they just cut, you know, and, uh, I can, I can see that it, I mean, I would, I would say that, that Newman is quite a bit more sarcastic. Than, yes. Than, well, that than, was, uh, that was exactly <laughs> my point. But, the, the, yeah. But, but, uh, but I can, I can see the, I understand if he said that that was an influence. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, no, well, no, no, that, that's, that's fine. It was just, 
it was something I sort of wasn't picking up. I mean, obviously, I think you know, the connection is that they both are really, really great storytellers. However, on yeah. the other side, uh, where he says Paul Simon, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, besides uh, the fact that he covers Still Crazy after all these years, even yeah. if that cover yeah. version wasn't on the album, I'd completely yeah. say, oh, yeah, Paul Simon, 100% see that. And, Agreed. And uh, there are at least three or four of his own songs on the album where I'd say Paul Simon, Paul Simon influence yeah. you. And in fact, right down to um, the song Steady as the Rising Sun. Oh, yeah. I won't take much of your time. I just need someone to talk to that's kind. You know all my darker shades. You know everything I keep hidden away And whenever it seems as if nothing is going my way You were calling, it seems like you always know just what to say And whenever it seems which sounds like it's um, a song that could have fitted in so easily on Still Crazy After All These Years, on that period of, uh, of you know, 1975, 1976. You know, it sort of reminded me a little bit of um, uh, I Do It For Your Love. You know, musically, it has a very, very similar feel to that. Well, dude, uh, guide me on that one because I, it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm you know, obviously familiar with that, with the, uh, the uh, Still Crazy song, but, but, but uh, I, am, I am not a, a, an authority on, on Paul Simon, so so that's a you know I mean please add that to the conversation that, that I, I don't because there's a in you know this song and the other songs and everything like you know that how if that influence if you saw it because I may not have so. no well, where I saw I guess you know, melodically it sounds uh -huh. uh, like a, a Paul Simon progression and like the sort of thing that Simon would have done about that period but also yeah. because you know this song steady as the rising sun is uh, it, it's a song of love from yeah. a guy who's just too shy to to tell yeah. the woman who he's affectionate for that he has this crush on her but you know he, he sings her praises but in a very shy but still very sincere way and i see that sort of thing i can't think offhand of a paul simon song where he does the same sort of thing but it's no but it's the same that, that, that he could he could take on that persona he could take on that character of someone who's um who's very very shy uh, and, and like simon is you know, known for writing a really really great and beautiful love song but amongst many sure. other things paul simon would do very well to listen to this album and and uh yeah. you know i i think he'd be mightily impressed with it but coming back to this and i want to see where you can take this, a song that I, I know is one that you love. Uh, you, you alluded it, to it before in the show, but also you've mentioned to it in uh, in previous conversations, is probably what is, I, I guess, the centerpiece of the album, a song called Houston. When I came here, I was a boy, and now I'm leaving a man. Yeah. 
shone through the night We Well, you know, I'd, I'd almost say that, that it's, it's kind of well, I mean, yeah, I, I can talk about that one individually, but it, it's, it's, uh, um, I, I think it's the, for me, and it's just my personal opinion, but the, the, the two, that kind of the centerpieces of the record are as, as great as that cover is and as great as Steady as the Rising Sun is. I think that, that the, I mean, the, the title track, Lots of the Chemical Plant, yep. is, uh, um, is basically Ellis's version of the river. Yep. And, um, and it's by, by, Frank, by Springsteen. Um, which everybody knows that on this podcast. Why am I saying that? <laughs> but anyway, you know, because it's it's that kind of it's it's the you know doomed youth and and uh, you know I got, got a union card and a wedding coat line you know type stuff and everything. But but it's I mean that song for me. I mean the Lots from the Chemical Plant song, the title track is 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 really evocative of the Gulf Coast of Texas where I live and uh, and where I grew up. You know before I moved to the. The big city of Houston, which is, <laughs> like I said, the, I think which is the the the, the bookend to that uh, to this song, um, but uh, you know it's it's kind of that that doom lovers and and uh, you know just really you know evocative of a certain place that that uh, um, that they're they're going that, that that's you know um, what they look at you know uh, that that there's the, the you know the lights are always there for the. Of the chemical plants and everything, right, right. Just, which is, is just like the, uh, I mean, so the, the light from the chemical plant is the the metaphor of um, the one shining thing in the in these lovers' lives in, in what's otherwise sound like a very dreary town, and it's a light yeah. in a chemical plant, what's otherwise a fairly ugly environment, and it's this yeah. one shining beacon, and yeah. you, you compare that to the river, and the river is you know the metaphor for the the innocent and good times that the main yeah. characters had before you know he got a pregnant yes. and he had to find a job in an environment where there was no yeah. work so so definitely that's a that's a great comparison well but see I, I, you know in, in, in uh, yeah and and I mean you know I, I hope that's out I think that the that, that the Houston song is well I mean you know in, in on on the its surface I mean I think it's it's a real it's a, it's a thing from you know it, it's probably it, it, it's pretty personal on Elsa's part and I'm, I'm just making that assumption but but that, that it's um, it's I think it's a real almost agonizing farewell to, to a place where you uh, that you grew up you know and it, it's like well you know I, I just gotta you know I gotta leave I gotta go somewhere and get some clear eyes and, and uh, you know it, it's 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 uh, it, it, but it also in the, uh, the early stanzas uh, the early lyrics of the song it kind of um, follows that relationship a little bit where it's just like, well, you know, we, we moved to the big city and you know, we, everything was working out great. And then it all just, you know, uh, just, just went away, you know, and, and, uh, but, but that, you know, the, the, the majority of the song is, is, is him saying, well, you know, you know, Houston, I'm leaving tonight. And, and, uh, it's, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's that, that, like I said, it's kind of that goodbye to a, to a place that kind of birthed you and, and that it was, it was a, um, a really cool thing. You know, I, I, and not to belabor it, but, but I have a, uh, you know, a kind of real personal connection to that, that song, to, to the Houston song in the sense that, uh, um, when I've moved back to Houston and, you know, I'm, I'm having a great time in Cactus and everything like that, but, you know, I kind of um, headed back when I moved back to, to to Houston. It was to kind of recapture something, and uh, to you know, the, the, you know how, how it was in the nineties when, when it was the old cactus and everything. And, and uh, you know, it's it's it, it kind of, again. It kind of reminds me of Springsteen in that sense of like you know, okay, these two lanes will take you anywhere. Mm -hmm. 
but no, they really won't. So, so it's 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 I mean, that, that's another thing that I think about that, that kind of Springsteen comparison to this record is that that it's like um, you know darkness on the edge of town to tunnel of love. Yes, <laughs> it, it's it's because there, there's it's that you know you get those kind of grown up big boy songs you know where it's like you know you're just yeah well <laughs> it's not gonna work out. Yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, I was also going to compare this song once again to Paul Simon because yeah. back in 75, well, once again from the Still Crazy After All These Years albums, there was uh, a song that uh, he wrote. I think it was like the one newly written song for Simon and Garfunkel. Is it a reunion thing? Like before the Central Park thing became a, an ongoing rolling tour yeah. of greatest hits. But they wrote this one song in 1975 called My Little Town. check it out it's it's unfortunately it's one that people forget about because you know it's not part of the classic era of simon and garfunkel but it's an absolute cracker of a song and these are two sides of the coin so like in in houston robert ellis is singing about a town that he obviously still has a lot of affection for oh but he has to move on to get on with the rest yeah. of his life because the opportunities for him are just not there, or, but he still looks on it with you know, a lot of affection. Uh, but the opposite is in My Little Town is you know, Paul Simon, Paul and Artie Garfunkel, you know, sing, uh, I never met nothing, I was just my father's son. And he, he oh. paints this song as a really dreary town to even the grey washing on the on the laundry line and you know he's leaving nothing but the dead and dying back in my little town uh wow. so they, they're both having to leave where they came from to get yeah. on with their lives but in, in ellis's case it's not without regret and in simon and garfunkel's case they can't it's get just, out of there i'm going enough. yeah <laughs> so once again just you know the and the simon influences keep on rolling i tell you what if he comes to melbourne i'll, I'll yell out for him to uh any, do that any, one. any requests <laughs> do my little town man i bet you uh, well i guarantee you he knows it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he does well if, he, if he's doing still crazy after all these years he knows that album so he'll know this song for sure well i know i mean I, I don't i don't know the man personally but i know people that do that talk to him so maybe i'll, I'll uh, put that bug in his ear if i can if i can figure out how to do it through <laughs> but anyway now um another song i wanted to talk about Okay, so I, I was talking to our good friend uh, Ghetto Tim Merrill, and yeah. I, I introduced. Like we we love our we love our Tim, <laughs> who is currently recording episode sixty-two. Have I mentioned of love that album? But at the same time, we're recording sixty-four. Um, right. Anyway, so uh, Tim and I 
covered an album on Love That Album a couple of years ago from an Australian trio called Tex, Don and Charlie. Now, they're all sort of like, well, especially Tex Perkins and Don Walker, songwriter, or singers and songwriters legend in Australia. And Charlie Owen is healthily respected in uh, the musical community. And they put out an album, uh, well, they put out two albums, but between the two, it's like 14 years apart or something like that. And their second album was called All Is Forgiven. And there's a, there's a song on the album that Robert Ellis's tune called Bottle of Wine reminded me of. A bottle of wine and a bag of cocaine you're on my mind as I drive home in the rain. I'm reminded again of some familiar yesterday. didn't say anything i said to tim have a listen have a listen to this i put a link on from youtube i said who does this remind you of and i don't remember who he said it was but i said hmm i was thinking more another night in from Texton and charlie and then he went and wrote back and said boom correct absolutely um and i'm really wondering whether robert ellis has heard that album i wonder if that's you know some sort of an influence so well in in the song bottle of wine your your main protagonist is snorting cocaine and and drinking wine to drown out the sorrows of a broken relationship and he's making it quite obvious it's not as clearly stated in another night in the character you know he, he seems almost to revel in you know drinking his whiskey uh, snorting cocaine and watching pornography on, on the video between you know, a couple, or as he sings, watching two girls from the Ukraine do what comes naturally. But you get the feeling that he's doing it for you know a reason similar to the character in um, Bottle of Wine. And I just love the fact that you know uh, Ellis is playing here on an old, not perfectly tuned upright piano in this big room. He's it would have been so wrong if they would have tried to get a perfect sound out of it. But I love the fact that they make it sound as as miserable as the lyric is. I, I mean that in a good way. But um, man, there, there's a, a lyric in this song that I, I just, I mean, I absolutely adore. It's, it's, you know, and I think it's, it's. I mean, I love that, you know, big kind of saxophone thing in the middle of it that, that yeah. I think it really serves it, you know. But, um, but it's just, I mean, I think it's that. You know, it, it, you know, obviously about that, you know, just addiction and how it, it kind of serves that. It, it, it drives those kind of like baser thoughts or something, or, or it just, I mean, it, it fuels whatever, you know, kind of darker thoughts you have. But but that bit in the, I mean, it's, well, I mean, it's basically the chorus of the song, but, or, or, or one stanza in it, but, but that, you know, uh, in this lonely lonely apartment and a cloud of regret, I, I go through the same old argument to reminisce or to regret or to forget. Uh, I find that acceptance is fleeting unless it's coursing through my veins. Mm, mm. That last line is solid. It is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I love well, I mean, it. So. I, I think there's, there's, the whole song, every line is just so yeah. well thought out. You know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. you're, you're right, that line is hot. Because he's, he's painting a picture here. 
and yeah. he's done that ex- incredibly well. I wouldn't mind, you know, believing the fact that he's probably uh, that, that there's an author in him that's just busting to get out, and if, he, he probably has a great book in him somewhere. I agree. Well, there's a bunch of great, there's a bunch of more great records <laughs> coming from him. I'm sure about that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, the, the line that I find just not a whole verse, just one line that slays me in that song. And yep. it works perfectly with the, the sparse, morose sound of the music. Is we get so sentimental, sentimental. It's only <laughs> lust in disguise. It, that is that is such an honest line. I mean, you know, often yep. people um, who've fallen in, fallen out of love, and they know that they want something, and and they think, oh, I'm in love with this person, but you know, he, he's gone right to the heart of it. It's yeah, it's lust. And, oh, well, um, it's it's the same thing, and I, I don't want to. I mean, keep your thoughts about this song, but it's the same thing with that good intention song. I don't care how wrong it is, I've got good intentions, and I just can't hide it anymore. I made my decision. Which is is kind of a simple song, with, but but it, it's uh, well simple. I don't want to insult the songwriter, but but um, <laughs> nothing but, wrong but, with but, nothing uh, wrong with simplicity. It, it, well, yeah, yeah, it's 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 it, yeah, it's it's you know simplicity. Yeah, but uh, but it's it's so it's it's a real like driving song, and it's 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 a. Uh, um, it's urgent and it's real like sexy, but that that line where, where you know he says uh, you know you know I don't I don't care how wrong it is I've I've got my own intentions you know you, know, you can't have it anymore I've made my my decision and it's it's kind of it's just one of those I mean it's a it's just like a in the moment like okay well we're going for it right now you know and this yeah, is probably yeah, yeah. Well, a this, real bad idea. Well, this, but, this is a, this is a guy who's probably married yeah. with yeah. A, with, a, with a couple of kids. And there's there's some yeah. woman who he's misreading designs, and he's gonna make a he's gonna make a play for it, and he's gonna feel like a complete <laughs> dick at the end of the day. But uh, you're you just it's it's yeah like I said just, he's uh it made made a decision in the moment. So. Oh yeah, very much so. Uh, and anyway. I, was gonna, I was gonna say I wonder whether um uh, we, we spoke about Richard Thompson before, but musically um, I reckon he's. Um, uh, far be it from me to suggest that he's gone and nicked a riff, but uh, there's, a, there's a song from uh, Richard Thompson's album, Mock Tudor, called Crawl Back Under My Stone, and Love it's it. not that same. And I, I was thinking, first time I heard this, I've always been listening to Richard Thompson. Well, I, I, I told you, that, well, one of the, I, whenever I said, did, did you mean the Richard Thompson thing earlier? Um, when the, the, I've only spoken to the man once, uh, or well, twice, I guess, once I said, like, yeah, I'll guard your guitar case while he was, um, when, he, when he, he came into the, uh, came into the store to do that in store. But, uh, and then um, afterwards, I just had a brief, com- you know, just, insanely brief conversation with him when he was uh signing records i just kind of said like uh after that in store at cactus i just kind of said hey man you know I, I, I really you know enjoyed the show and and uh and he had done thompson's tear letter oh um, man 
Oh, yeah. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> it, 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 he did. He knocked that out during the during that in store, and uh, yeah, it was just nuts. He stopped what he was doing. He looked at me and he said, "said Oh man, like Thompson's a god to me." <laughs> and and I was like, "Okay, you know." And I just kind of like shook his hand and I was like, "Hey, you know, I had to go off and do other things. And he had other things to do, but but uh, but that yeah." So I mean that that's. <laughs> but that comes as absolutely no surprise to me because you know, anyone anyone who ever said I'm going to put words on paper and write the lyrics to a song or I'm going to pick up the guitar and uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to tell a story, I'm going to learn how to play a tune and be serious about it, would surely have yeah. to look up to the man because he's, I mean, he's often sort of, you know, cited, as we've said on this show, as, you know, a brilliant guitar player. But for me, he's the king of storytellers. I'm in that boat. Uh, so did you have another another song that meant something really strong for you? Because I wasn't sort of like intending to go through every song on the album, but if yeah, there's no, any, any other particular well, song that really hit well, you. Well, I was, I was going to ask you about uh, Tour Song, the, the song that closes the record. She'll find someone to talk to when she's feeling all alone And she'll find someone to cook for and to care for when I'm gone She'll find someone to go with her to all the honky-tonks and she'll find someone to dance with when the jukebox plays our song And though I can't be with her, she is always on my mind But there's so many things I can't do from a van in Caroline Soon she'll start to wonder what it is that I provide and why the hell a husband can't be by his woman's side? Okay, yes, I, I, I it's interesting you mentioned that one. Now, um, I do have some thoughts on this, and uh, the tour song, it's, I, I'm in two minds about this one, because on the one hand, it is an absolutely gorgeous piece of music, and on the surface, you know, the, the lyrics there, they're supposed to be heartbreaking, but here's where the bastard in me is going to come out, okay? There, there are so many songs out there by songwriters. We're talking about guys who, you know, and I feel, okay, maybe I feel a little bit more for Robert Ellis than I would for some of the other songwriters, but you've got people like, uh, you know, I'm coming back to Paul Simon for crying out loud. On his album, One Trick Pony, he has um, he has these two songs, God Bless the Absentee, and another song called Been a Long, Long Day. The film one, it came from the film One Trick Pony, which we've actually discussed on uh, the podcast yeah, um, sure. quite early on in the, in the show's life. And you know, that film was, I didn't think like necessarily a great film, but I liked the premise of you know, Paul Simon as the hardworking songwriter and his, his uh, marriage is in the toilet. And, but he still, you know, he adores his son, and, and he goes and writes these songs that, you know, from the perspective of his character singing. Well, you know, we're out on the road and we're playing these songs because we have to. And meanwhile, my marriage has suffered, and you know, I'm yes. just playing in this shitty bar, and I'm every joint is completely the same. And I, I and there's a whole bunch of other songs. I mean, you got you know, Creedence Clearwater Revival did it, you know, with Lodi and Turn the Page by Bob Seger and. Uh, there's, there's, I'm swing in there, maybe. Yeah, well, no, 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 Swing isn't. That's kind of that's an upswing. That's that's not about touring. We're talking about being out on the road. And there's probably a whole bunch I can't even think of at the moment where they sing 
man, you're playing another shitty dive, and I'm playing, oh, yeah, well, and I'm missing my family. The did, and... you mention, did you mention the fucking, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the Bob Seger classic, Turn the Page? Turn, turn the Page, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, that's, uh, you know, just, you know, another place, and you just, yeah, you know, yeah. my head wants to explode, uh, but, you know, but basically, this is what they do, and you, they'd never get off the road. This is, this is what they do. I mean, the only song I can think of is your beloved Willie Nelson, where he's singing, On the Road Again. Oh, yeah. I can't wait yeah. to get on the road again. I can't wait to make music with my friends. You know, he's not singing, oh, I'm miserable because I miss my wife and I miss my kids. And sure, these are very real. I'm not being a hard ass because don't go missing your wife and kids. Just get out and play songs for us. I'm quite the opposite. I'm thinking you're, you're, you're almost biting the hand that feeds you. I am a, I'm a, a punter out there coming to see you form. I am a guy who goes out and buys your record and essentially you're telling me you the guy who makes me my livelihood are also making me completely miserable because i i'm not with the people who i love but you know yeah. hell man i'm not ter- i'm not holding your arm behind your back you want to find another career that you know you can keep you with your family go ahead and do it i i love to go out and sing music I love to sing in my a cappella group, but, you know, go out on the road with them? No, I don't think so. I love being with my family, and that's a choice I make. And you want to go out and play in, in Australia and, and then go and you know, say you love it here, but sing about how you're missing your wife and, and all that? Well, you know, you can't have it both ways. And I know that sounds incredibly harsh on my part, but it, it's a gorgeous song. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. And yet I, I find it hard to have a whole heap of sympathy make your choice you, well, you want to go out and play music well, do it but well see man i, I honestly i would think that that's that the way my take on it is that it's utterly unsympathetic and that it's more it's that confessional thing that i think this whole album and that that it's it's that thing of, of a guy sitting on a bus and talk in and, and like talking to himself about this stuff mm-hmm. it's not not any kind of like glorification of anything it's it's just a it's you know somebody sitting there at 2 a.m. sitting there thinking to himself, it's just like, I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and did I make the wrong decision? You know, is this my, this is my life. And did I, you know, have I disappointed this person? And, you know, it's not, I mean, that's totally my take on that song in particular. You know, again, I think it goes back to that, that TV song thing where, where it's, it's, well, that's the opposite of it. I think where you say like, I'm not a failure or whatever. And, and, uh, um, and then, you know, comparing, you know, like complaining about your wife, but you want, you know, um, you want this specific thing on the TV or whatever, but you know, I don't know, man. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, that, that one is, I, I was real interested to hear what you had, had to say about that, but, uh, you know, uh, I may feel a little different. Does that make sense? Or it, uh, it, it could be thoughts that are just running through his head in the next morning or think, ah, no, 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 I'm okay. But this is uh, unlike, say like a song, like what we talked about before, you know, low dive our credence or, or, yeah. um, or, or the loadout by Jackson Brown, you know, um, where it's just, you know, the boredom of life on the road and yeah another place but he's doing something more here he's very specifically saying i miss the woman i love and she's probably gone out on a date with my best friend who's Mm. taken her to a restaurant or to a movie and he wants to make a play for her and here i am and and how can i blame her for thinking why the hell did i ever marry this guy in the first place and thoughts of a late night musician this is way too deep way beyond the superficial you know if it was just about oh i'm tired of being out on the road because you know the next morning they'll move out and be on the bus and they'll be he'll have a beer and he'll be back to enjoying what he's doing you know but but this is this goes a lot deeper than that and i don't know i i I'm probably sounding like an unsympathetic prick. And I, I, I don't mean to do that, but just when I read a lyric like that and I'm thinking, you're only 25, man. 
you know, yeah. just either enjoy your life out on the road or, or just <laughs> or decide no. that you're going to, you know, be with your wife and, and, and that's, that's wonderful. You should do that if that's what, if she's the one who you miss and stay, stay in Nashville and record albums and just maybe go out like on a week tour every three or four months, you know, play, play some venues and then come back and spend three months writing songs and go out for a week here and there and then you get the best of all worlds. But anyway, that's, that's me being a, that's me being an asshole. I don't know. No, no, not at all. No, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. you've given your opinion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, opinions are like, assholes everyone well, <laughs> has one you know. which one of my favorite lines of all time but but i, I do i do not uh, I, I i do not feel that way about you as far as in, in in your opinion about that that particular matter but uh so but uh so basically look i just wanted to sort of wrap things up uh, yeah. with regard to this album look i've no idea whether in the long run he's going to get elevated to you know the pantheon of great songwriters in a lot of people's mind but to me he deserves to be. His songbook, it's still small, but you know, based on the evidence that I'm hearing here, and I, I really want to go back and hear Photograph, and I understand it's a different kettle of fish to what yeah. this is about. The bottom line, he knows how to tell a story in a song. He's he, he's not someone who's new to writing lyrics. I'm sure he's been he's been he's got like exercise books full of songs that he's been <laughs> writing for like the last 15 years or something like that. Yeah, these these songs are well crafted. They're not. I know that there are some songwriters who write what they call stream of consciousness and it just flows out. These read to me like crafted songs. These read to me like he's written a line and he thinks this word doesn't quite work and he's sat back and he's thought about it and he's yeah. swapped words out about a million times. And that's not a bad thing. So, you know, different songwriters work in different ways, but these look like crafted songs, but they're well-crafted songs. There's a lot of people who spend ages and they put stuff out and I think you cannot put a lyric together half as well as this guy does and I, I guess the other thing with even though I mentioned like you know the guitarists who are great but I've not given enough praise to you know the the music is inventive uh, yeah it always, oh yeah we haven't there's a lot of stuff that, yeah yeah we've just been talking about the song yeah. man oh man I, I mean look I, I, I sort of wanted to wrap this because we've been speaking for almost an hour about the album oh. but <laughs> no really I've been putting in clips for the listeners to hear so they'll get an idea about what is going on here but you know musically he's very very inventive you know he's got the jazz touches here one song that we haven't even really talked about called sing out nobody talks too loud in my hometown nobody stands too tall for fear of getting knocked down just follow straight lines and teach your children how will you just do your job you your doubts and the flames of hell they seem so high when I can barely see over the pew I was just a boy when they told me that lie but Lord it felt so true Yeah. And that's the most traditional country sounding song on the yeah, album. Exactly. Um, yeah. But of course, unlike a lot of traditional country where they're sort of like talking about religious symbolism and here he's gone completely the opposite. He's taking a, a religious sounding <laughs> song and he's gone complete not just atheist but militant atheist on your ass. Uh, uh, but no, really, there's a lot melodically here that's going on that's so great it's, it's they're memorable tunes I, even after the first time i heard it the tunes were in my head for days and that doesn't happen with uh, songs that are just 
then it's going to be a clothesline for, for a great lyric. He has the whole package down pad and he's got a crack band going on here. I, I just, I, I love everything about this record. So your, your final thoughts about the album overall? Well, well I guess my, <clears throat> my final thoughts would be that I'm, I'm just so, it, it just makes my heart sing that, that, that you like it as much as, as I do. And, and uh, again, I, um, uh, yeah, man, I, I think that that's, it's a real, you know, like kind of a touchstone record for this guy, and and uh, there's a lot of songs that I, I I just honestly adore on it. It's, it's one that all, I mean, it's it's in the mix for you know from now on. So, but uh, no, man, it's just been wonderful to talk to you about it. I, it it's most of the uh, the folks that I talked to about it at the store and everything. They, it's like. Uh, we all know the score. Like, what, what, do you, what do you like this record? Of course, you're supposed to like this record. You know, whatever. <laughs> so it, it, it's fun to kind of like talk to it, uh, you know, to somebody that it's, it's heard it fresh. So, um, as, as much as much as I did. Nice. But anyway, man, no. It's thank you so much for inviting me on. I, oh, I just so man. much appreciate. It. Man, you're 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 a welcome guest on this uh, podcast. Absolutely any time. And actually, what what would be really nice is if uh, the next time you come on, and we I really don't want to leave it so long to the next the next episode that you come. <laughs> But uh, it, you might want to talk uh, your boss, Christina, into uh, coming yeah. on, onto the show. Now, I mean, I knew her name more from uh, the GGTMC forums. And I, I, until I found out she was your boss, I had no idea she was a music person. I knew she was a film person, but I had no idea that she uh, knew so much about music. As well. well, you didn't know that she's the greatest person on the face of the planet either. So <laughs> she, she, she's uh, no, I, I mean, I've known her for 20 years, and, and uh, she's just a complete utter sweetheart and, and uh, um, yeah no that would be a, a good thing too she she could y'all could figure out some cool stuff to talk about i tell you what now and i'll i'll she's uh what is she doing she's up in new york uh, seeing some show right now but but uh um, but uh when she gets back i'll uh, i'll i will pass those good words along to her and and, uh, and 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 tell her to get on the show so excellent all right we'll um go now to eric reanimator's album i love segment and as i said at the beginning of the show i have no idea what it's going to be because um i'm recording a good few weeks before he's probably going to record it and a good two months before he'll even put the show out but uh, no doubt it'll be illuminating and interesting as always so um thanks once again dave for being on the show and uh let's go over to eric
Time for an album I love with Eric Reanimator. A DVD, a one, two, three, Eric the Reanimator. Eric Reanimator. This time around, I'm going to be talking about the band Thin White Rope and their 1988 album In the Spanish Cave. Thin White Rope were from Davis, California, and they kind of fell into that Paisley underground, uh, kind of post-punk rock, pre-alt-country scene, uh, which I'm a fan of, and uh, this is a band that I've only recently come into contact with. Mainly because one of my friends, uh, Mr. Heath Lawrence, who's a writer, you should check out his books, uh, is a big fan and kept mentioning them, so I decided to check them out. And uh, glad that I did. As I know I've talked about before, after the initial burst of punk rock in the United States largely, you had a time period where punk musicians, or formerly punk musicians, or maybe just punks, were starting to explore their musical chops, uh, you know, however many nights in a grimy basement had left them a little more proficient musically, uh, there was a greater knowledge base of music that was coming into what they were drawing upon, and a lot of musicians who would stuck around, because let's be honest here, a lot of punks were high school, post-high school kids who just had a lot of energy and nothing better to do and made a racket and went on and got jobs or had kids or whatever, but the ones that stuck with it so often developed as musicians and became something else. They grew. People like John Doe and Dave Allen and all the usual suspects when we talk about this kind of music. So it should be no surprise that a band like Thin White Rope, who were playing kind of Dylan-inspired jangly guitar with a definite uh, Spanish influence, at least on the album places, but, you know, some Marty Robbins in there, and some some heavy metal, some Slayer, there's some growling vocals, and some pretty heavy uh, guitar and bass work going on in this music. 
So it's no surprise that a band like this would, would come about at this time. Let's take a listen. resurgence of interest in uh, real country folk, alternative country roots rock, rockabilly whatever you want to call it and the shame to me has always been that people did not go back and look at what a lot of great bands were doing in the 80s. It wasn't all people punking up Hank Williams or Johnny Cash there were bands that did that and did that well there were a lot of bands that were taking roots rock And some of them, like the Cramps or the Gun Club, have gotten maybe not their due, but at least notice and are still being rediscovered. Thin White Rope is one of those bands that if you like True West or The Naked Prey or any number of California, 80s, desert, country-influenced psych bands, Thin White Rope is one that fits right in there and you should check out. The records were available from a punk label called Frontier Records that has a website, and you can go and check them out. Uh, all of them are available in, well, mostly in some kind of physical format, be it CD or LP. And then they also have them up on Bandcamp, which is where I purchased the first three records. And probably in the near future, I will be picking up the LP of the, the B-Sides and Rarities, which includes their cover of Rocky Erickson's Burn the Flames, and also Lee Hazelwood's Some Velvet Morning. If you want to check that out, they're both available on YouTube in addition to on Bandcamp. So, until next time, it's Eric Reanimator. Yeah, I don't know what catchphrase to put in here anymore, so I'm just going to sign off.
Thanks very much, Eric, for another great album I love segment. Don't forget that as well as his segments in the Love That Album proper episodes, you can also catch him in the Love That Album compilation series of episodes, which come out in between the regular Love That Album series of episodes. Does that make any sense? Just look us up at lovethatalbum.blogspot.com or on iTunes and you'll work it out. You'll see. I hope you're enjoying those really terrific specials that he's been putting out. More like mini documentaries than uh, a podcast. It's absolutely fantastic listening to what Eric has to say about um, a whole variety of compilation albums. Uh, you know, a couple that I've been familiar with, but a few most certainly that I haven't been, but everything that Eric says is always interesting because he always puts everything into historical perspective and uh, makes the enjoyment of the music so much more interesting and sweet. All right, well, uh, this has been a fun show uh, for me to uh, put together with uh, Mr. Davey McLemore. Now, we had that conversation uh, maybe about two, three weeks ago uh, now as I'm speaking at this point in time. uh, that sounds rather tautologist, doesn't it? Anyway, um, it was wonderful to have Davey on. Uh, the time I put this on air, I will have recorded episode 63, which I haven't actually done yet. This will come after 63. It's all very confusing chronologically for me, uh, but I'm getting old and, and uh, nothing makes much sense to me anymore. But um, anyway, so episode 65 will be the one that comes up after this, but not the next one I record. You still following this? Good. Uh, So I have no idea what I'm going to do for episode 65. I have a few ideas for future shows. And so I think I know what's going to go on for 65, but I'm not going to say just yet, just in case it doesn't come off until episode 66. Oh, there I go with the chronology again. Anyway, look, regardless of this rather confused outro to the show, I hope you've enjoyed the rest of the program. Uh, It was certainly fun to uh, talk with Davey Mack about uh, the Robert Ellis album and my thanks uh, really go out to him for introducing me to such a really terrific songwriter and uh, if any of you out there regardless of whether you've been on the show or not just join up the Facebook group and please feel free to put me onto uh, any music that you're digging that you think I need to get into and we might end up talking about it on the show if you think you can uh, chat about it please feel free to contact me rrrkitchen at yahoo.com.au or message me through the Love That Album Facebook group and uh, we might end up talking about it on the show together. That'd be wonderful. Always looking for new people to have music discussions with. We're very inclusive here at Love That Album Studios. So uh, until the next show, whatever it's going to be, uh, look after yourselves, be nice to each other, listen to some great music, watch some great films, listen to a whole bunch of podcasts. And I, I used to sort of like go do the big podcast role of honour. I'm, I'm been very tardy, been very lax in um, uh, doing that and I'm, I'm probably not going to do it again this time but uh, one podcast that certainly deserves your attention is uh, the ones of my good friends uh, John Ross, uh, Jeff Rocks and Nathan Budensor, uh the Feed My Ears podcast so music and album discussion podcasts unite uh, please give Feed My Ears a listen if you haven't been doing so yet they've been running for a few episodes and uh, it's, they have a really great rapport and it's always wonderful to hear other people talking about albums that they dig. So uh, check them out if you haven't done so yet. All right, anyway, uh, all those things before that I said, be nice to each other, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we'll see you for uh, the next Love That Album episode sometime very, very shortly. Okay, cheers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.